Welcome to episode 73 of the Two on Three podcast, where two of your friends take on three topics in 30 minutes. It's a special occasion pod this week as we are celebrating the 20th anniversary of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace by doing a signature two on three breakdown. I'm Ty, and you can find my pin tweet being a Senator Palpatine quote at SEATJK. And with me, as always, is Chris. Where can we find you opining on how full of shit Yoda is, Chris? You can find me talking crap about the Yoda, ma- Yoda the Jedi Master at CD Villasenor. Interact with the show on Twitter at 2on3pod or hit us up via email at Holla, Holla. at 2on3pod.com. You know how much we love to hear from you. I'm having a bit of an allergy episode, so I'll try to stay quick with the cough button for any sniffles, <laughs> but uh, please forgive me in advance for any nasal oration that may occur. For our uh, for our Pacific Northwest listeners, you know that it is just full-on cottonwood snowstorm outside. It is brutal. Well, I'm, actually, I'm through the toughest tree part for me. Uh, cottonwood is not my thing. I know like, a lot of people are like, their eyes are bugging out of their heads. <laughs> their soft tissues are swollen. Uh, but I had to take the dog to the vet for a routine checkup today, and I just, without thinking about it, like, touched somebody else's dog. And wow. I forget, because I only live with my pets, that I am pretty much allergic to most other people's pets. Okay. And I just, I, I let myself interact with that dog without thinking about it, and then, like, half an hour later, it's You're just, it's in, it's in me. The histamine, <laughs> it's in me. <laughs> it's called buck wild. Yeah. Well, I hope you enjoyed that breakdown of my allergy problems. <laughs> I think I don't think you're alone. So well, good. As usual, when uh, two and three pod goes to the movies, we'll be breaking down episode one in three parts. We'll do what works, what could be better, and how. We'll bang out this week's Dejatwa, and in the OT, we're going to talk a little Game of Thrones. So if you haven't watched the end, uh, you probably want to turn it off before we get to that point. We'll remind you as we get closer. And Chris, before we start to dive into episode one in our style. I want to ask you what your memories were of its release on May 19th, 1999. So here's the, uh, the run up to episode one was amazing. The, uh, we had been waiting a long time for, for star Wars content and George Lucas had spent the previous two years or so rolling out a special edition, which I saw here in Seattle at, um, you know, downtown at the at the Cinna, uh, <laughs> the Cineplex, the Cine. What's the place? What the fancy place? Yeah, Cinerama. Cinerama. It was a, that existed where, in 1999. Yeah, where people yeah, it, earlier than that, where people were people were camped out to watch special edition. Mm-hmm. It was crazy, and uh, so there was a lot of there was a lot of Star Wars goodwill. I mean, I have pluses and minuses about special edition. Like they took out the Yub Nub song, which hilariously we had watched special edition. It came out every two weeks. So when Return of the Jedi special edition came out, we were, you know, we were pretty jacked about it, whatever. It was pretty fun. And at the end, when they go to the celebration in special edition, they cut out the Yub Nub song. I stood up and said, Rob and went, boo. I yelled, (laughs) I booed the fact that they took it out. And it was, um, and so, so anyway, there was still a lot of goodwill and a lot of excitement coming into episode one for sure. Yeah, I think my only real beef with special edition was the, the added Jabba the Hut scene. Yes, it's where, terribly. Like, Han cut together. walks over his tail. Oh, no, it's so that's that's terribly cut together. And of course, 
Greedo shoots first and the whole That's yeah, I'm not a fan of there's, that. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of nits to pick with with special edition, but but it did it did get us thinking about Star Wars and getting us excited about about prequel Star Wars. It did. And you know, I when I was getting ready for the pod, I rediscovered the fact and I remember this now having read it, but that uh, during the first week of the trailer's release, when it was first out in theaters, people were going to, like, 75% of people would go to a movie just to see, they'd pay full price and just to see the trailer and then leave. <laughs> I remember people going to the movies now just to see the trailer, which seems like such a quaint, crazy idea that you would spend whatever, I guess, you know, between 5 and $7 at the time. Just to watch a trailer? Yeah. And then bail? Yeah. You know, you know Star Wars fans tend to do goofy shit like that. All right, well, uh, I had forgotten what it was like to have a cultural event of this magnitude. Um, I forgot that this kind of thing existed. I remember the camping out and all that stuff as well. But uh, you know me, I have kind of become over the years a bit of a defender of this film. Um, it was actually fairly well received when it first came out, but why don't we, uh, why don't we go ahead and get into it? And I, How long is your list of what works? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think prequels are much maligned. I think there's no question that that most people go back and they if you ask them about it they 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 get angry about it. I'm I'm not sure that I get angry about it as I think that you know again I said this the other the other week about having a better movie in your head and then mm-hmm. not having it show up on the screen. But I I've, I've definitely softened on prequel stuff um since I've watched it with my kids and 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 I wish you know, and this is probably late. Well, it's probably more for later on. But you know, I think that I think that uh, what works for me is the fact that it, we simply got more Star. Wars. I mean, that's the basic: is we simply got right. Star Wars rolling again because it had been, you know, twenty almost twenty years, right? Before you know, between Return of the Jedi and getting getting Episode One. So just having Star Wars back in our lives in this way was was an achievement in and of itself. Yeah, I think that it doesn't... People don't really turn on these movies until the second one, which has like an hour of unnecessary content in the middle of it. Um, and we'll get... I'm sure we'll get to that as well eventually. In two years. Point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what, the first thing I popped down on my notes when I'm watching the movie is that Anakin and Qui-Gon's... Uh, or not, sorry, not Anakin, rather. Um, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon's... Just their chemistry and interaction, it works right off the bat. Like you kind of, if they have the shorthand, it's very welcoming and back into the universe. Um, that just the callbacks uh, to the Jedi stuff that we learned about in the first movie, those are all really good. Uh, yeah. And then it, like they do something cool that you've never seen done when when Qui Gon like melts that lock with the light with the lightsaber <laughs> like in the first ten minutes when they lock him in that uh, the conference room, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you get locked in the conference room. This is the this is this is the reason you hire actors like Ewan McGregor and Liam Neeson, right? They instantly, they instantly are good. <laughs> you know, you don't have to worry about, and this is the funny thing about star Wars. The original star Wars is they got a bunch of actors. Nobody knew about. Yeah. I mean, essentially they're all like mostly B actors and nobodies. Right. So we jump into this world where we have established acting stars and luckily they're terrific actors so yeah so Qui-Gon and and Obi-Wan work right off all right the next thing I have is um I have a lot of droid notes here so (laughs) I don't want to like get bogged down in this but one the gimmick of the battle droids sort of just being dumb never stops being funny and probably should have been that would have been enough comic relief for the film 
Uh, right. <laughs> I don't want to get into Jar Jar at this point, but uh, I like that we get both R2 and 3PO's origin stories, which I, I honestly had forgotten about, that, that, that we get those in this movie. R2 has an excellent origin story, and C-3PO has a shit origin story. <laughs> why, why is C-3PO shitty? All right, well, we'll talk about it. We, you want, I mean, let's, are we going to keep going with what works? Yeah, well, okay, can, so I'll, I'll just, we'll come back to this then. We'll come back to that. So the thing I wanted to mention, though, is like, so droids have personalities and clearly have emotions, but are treated like inhuman slaves. Sure. <laughs> it's a really kind of weird dynamic. Early on, during the R2 origin story where the droids are fixing the Naboo transport shields, and right as R2 gets out there, one of the droids gets blown off the wing, and it has oh, yeah. like, a very horrific scream that happens when it gets yeah. shot. Well, R two R two has a horrific scream every now and again, right? He gets he gets shocked or shot, and yeah, he the, he does the ooh the real the loud wee- one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I noticed that three PO, and he says this obviously many times, but when I was listening for it, he says, I, "I'm I'm C three PO, human cyborg relations," and I'm like, "So what's a cyborg in this world? And do droids consider themselves human?" Yeah, I think that's just Lucas not understanding what the word cyborg means. Okay. And just because it's a, it's a cool sounding word, but he doesn't mean cyborg because there's no human parts in any of the droids. Okay. Because a cyborg would be part human right, part, exactly. part machine. Right, yeah. so I was wondering, like, is C-3PO's job actually specifically to interface with cyborgs that we just never get a chance to meet? Well, we, they, we do see cyborgs <laughs> here and there. Like the the lieutenants working in cloud in Bespin, or I guess Grievous cyborgs. is a cyborg, and yeah, so there are cyborgs, but yeah, human cyborg relations just something cool to say <laughs> doesn't really mean it. Was this something that Anakin had like a, a deep need for on the on the desert planet? I gotta build this protocol droid. I got it. Yes. All right. Can I just can we just sidebar right into the fact that C three PO has a shit origin? Okay. The fact that. It's just too convenient that Anakin Skywalker would build C-3PO and C-3PO would be part of this big, you know, it just, it's, it's just goony. It's, it doesn't make any sense. If, if it were me, again, better movie inside my head, that the, the, the protocol droid that meets, that meets, you know, and, or that meets Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon on that, would be C-3PO. And he and he would just get sucked into this adventure with these two, like just kind of just kind of like he always gets sucked along. Oh right, right? like he like he's on the Trade Federation ship. Right, you're he's a okay, Trade yeah. Federation cyborg. And then all of a sudden they start shooting at the you know they start shooting at the Jedi. Yeah, and he's and just in the room. C three in the yeah. room, and he's like, well, if you if you don't want to get shot, you better tag along, Goldenrod. And then you know he just becomes part of the story. Okay, which would be a fun thing. And then of course he would meet R two D two later. When they, after they escape from Naboo. I mean, that's to me, that makes much more... It seems cleaner than having him somehow being made by Anakin Skywalker. It's just goofy. I just, okay. I just don't... It's just never... It never, never made sense to me. My last droid thing was that the battle droids have different accents. Like, <laughs> there's a point where the battle droid is reporting back to the Trade Federation commander and is talking about their search for the Gungans. And he clearly has, like, a New York accent. He's like... Underwater villages. <laughs> it's, just, it's really weird, but it made me laugh. So again, going back to the battle droids being kind of stupid and and the Roger Roger stuff, it, it, that really worked for me on the rewatch. Yeah, it makes you laugh. Again, there's that's nonsensical. 
the fact that battle droids would have to actually report in. I don't know. It's just right. No, the whole thing. The, <laughs> we'll get, that's definitely in my notes about what could be better later on. So I understand we'll why stormtroopers have to report in, but yes. I, there's no reason battle droids have to report in. No, especially they, when they're all being controlled by this central computer. Right. The, anyway. Yeah. The, the Night King ship. <laughs> Which we, of course, we'll get to. Uh, I have Watto. Watto is a great character. Um, one of the fir- one of the only fully fleshed out sort of characters we get and it probably because he's a caricature but sure. at the same time it's like there's a nice stand gangster stand in he's a gambler there's a lot of their interaction where he, the jedi mind trick doesn't work on him is great and he's like yeah. what do you think you're some kind of jedi <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> your hand like that <laughs> it's, it's just really good yeah he's um he's an essential part of the story i mean i think that it's it's we're totally accustomed to tatooine being full of grifters Right. And just people making a living out on the outer rim doing whatever the hell they're doing. Like, you know, it's it's mob controlled <laughs> um, territory and he's just a junk dealer, you know, parts dealer. He's the he's the local Napa dealer <laughs> and he's, he's just doing what he can. He's got slaves. He's got these slave boy working for him. But, you know, but it seems par for the course for Tatooine. It's it's kind of a shithole. It is interesting, right, that, that I mean, they, they sort of give a little li- bit of lip service to it when Padme talks about, like, the Galact- or the Republic has laws against slavery, and they're like, yeah, not out here, man. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. out here, it's crappy. Right. Um, I, I put that uh, Duel of the Fates, the music in general works really well, obviously. Uh, it, it, it never fails, generally. John Williams never fails. He doesn't, and it's really funny be. Again, sidebar on John Williams, but as you, uh, I, since I live in a, been introduced into this classical music family, like I'll hear stuff and go, holy shit, what's that? And they'll go, oh, this is like something from 1804. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, John Williams completely ripped this off. <laughs> <laughs> and it happens over and over and over again, which is great. I don't really care, uh, but it makes me laugh. Um, yeah, and from Duel of the Fates, we finally get real lightsaber battling, which yes. is something we had never, which is something, you know, we'd never gotten. Um, more sidebar, but if you've seen the full uh, reimagining of scene 37, uh-huh. um, it's six minutes of awesome Darth Vader, Obi-Wan, Kenobi, cyber, or lightsaber dueling, and it's totally worth watching on YouTube. It is. They, it's great. It's it's amazing. But yeah, so we went from having these amazing, you know, it started, you know, Star Wars started with the most wooden <laughs> lightsaber battle of all time. It got better, like Empire's better, you know, Return of the Jedi's better. And then this is when now we've got something really interesting with. Well, that that's a nice segue into my sorry that my next thing that works, which is Darth Maul as a character anyway. It's a perfect sort of backward escalation of why we need to be afraid of Sith because we don't really know going into this movie anything about them. I mean, I'm, I'm approaching this assuming you've only seen the movies, not read any expanded universe at this point. Mm-hmm. So if you've only seen the movies, you don't really know anything about the Sith other than there's a dark side of the Force and clearly this dude is it. Yeah. Um, he, he, a great character, obviously a great fight. Uh, I forgot about the fact when he first um, ambushes uh, Qui-Gon on Tatooine, like... He, he, like, gasses him out in 30 seconds. Like, Qui-Gon's like, oh, shit, what happened? I almost got killed. Right. Yeah. And just barely, just, just like, barely gets away. Yeah, he just j- jumps on the... I don't understand why he couldn't be followed. Like, <laughs> I don't know. He could have been, but right. whatever. But just, the, I just uh, came to scare him. 
I just came to let you know what's up, old man. <laughs> but that's the that's. I wish that um, I wish that they would have saved the the double lightsaber, you know, the saber staff. I wish they would have saved that and not put that in the trailer, mm-hmm. because the saber staff is so awesome. Well, especially because he doesn't break it out in the first fight. Right. He waits until he needs it. Yeah. Yeah. It's... And uh, it's such a that that was a that was a, a real innovation in in lightsaber battling and just. I think it's just 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 genius, genius idea. It's good. Um, the last thing I was going to mention is that this on in the Amazon Video Library, this movie gets the kids tag, and it does remain a pretty good gateway to get younger children into Star Wars. Yeah, that's kind of the the defense of Jar Jar, even though he's, I mean, he sucks, but <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that's a good segue into making it better. So, or did you have anything else you wanted to talk about that worked that I didn't that I didn't touch on? Sixteen year old Natalie. 16-year-old Natalie Portman. I was going to talk over you while you talk about that. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> She's like 40 years old now. All right, well, take, like it, take it easy, Moby. <laughs> <laughs> like, no one's denying the fact that Natalie Portman isn't, like, full-on just amazing looking. Karen Knightley also in this movie. Karen Knightley also in this movie as a stand-in. Yes. All right. Let's talk about what could have been better. <laughs> So now this is going to feel like we're bagging on it, but I think we I think we've already firmly established that that there, this is a this is a pretty enjoyable film. It is. It just has some really very specific and glaring flaws that could have been fixed really quite easily with just a few different choices. Okay. Um, the crawl is brutal right off the bat. Like it is. There are so many available ways to have a third party, basically a non-violent or, or eventually violent military incursion that doesn't require the military third party, the manipulated third party. Like the, it's it's a cutout, right? So the Trade mm-hmm. Federation is a cutout for Palpatine to manipulate politics to assume power. That is the right. that is the point of it. It didn't need to be this weird set of people we've never seen or heard from before. <laughs> Taxation. Like yeah. It, it just, blockades. It, uh, the first thing, the first thing you see is turmoil has engulfed the Galactic Republic. The taxation of trade routes to outlying star systems is in dispute. Like, just make it pirates or something. <laughs> like, 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 so I, I thought the best idea that I had was uh, a remnant of like the Sith Empire is just what they're using. It's just some sort of rogue militant force. Um, you could make it sort of a, a proto empire, even right, like a like just a some it, kind of a militia. It, it could also be a trade federation, but. The fact that they use it in the crawl is just senseless. It's it just like, makes it really you're like what is happening? Like it would be a lot easier if like the Galactic, Galactic Republic has fallen into turmoil. Um, out, outlying star systems are constantly under siege from a rogue band of whomever. Yeah, and right. that's it. We need, that's all we need. That's all we need. Yeah, and then you the don't weird... have to, you don't have to get into like deep space politics and <laughs> you know we could have had Dooku or even Grievous like much earlier in the in the trilogy. Sure. Um, you didn't have to know they were Sith. Uh, that also dovetails right into the fact that Gunray, uh, the Viceroy, reporting directly to Palpatine via hologram is a problem mm-hmm. because it telegraphs the transition from Palpatine to Sidious. And if you're not aware of that already, you may not knew that you may not have known that was going to happen. We all know. This. So this is this is the problem with prequels, and this is the problem with any sort of you have to. You, there are some beats you have to hit, and we all know that Palpatine's going to become the Emperor. And they just go ahead and play that early. They play their they play their hand early on this. It's like, I guess. And, and I think that 
It's not much of a cutout if they're reporting directly to you. <laughs> no. <laughs> and you're but wearing a cloak as your disguise. There, so there is this widely held and very easily proven theory that um, they play that card early because Palpatine isn't the big bad. And they and and Lucas chickens out because the big bad is really Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> you laugh. You laugh. <laughs> And I and there's this guy on the internet who did about a thirty or forty minutes worth of why Jar Jar Binks is really supposed to be the big bad in this whole thing. Okay. And George Lucas chickened out because Jar Jar got such a horrible, horrible reception that he would he he basically lamed out and wouldn't do it. Okay, but I mean that that doesn't fall apart as soon as you start to like evaluate Jar Jar's performance in the actual battle. No, this is anyway. I'll, we'll, I'll post it to the. I'll post it to Twitter. You guys okay. can decide. But there are there are certain decisions that were made early, and the reason there's a there's an early reveal on Palpatine is that he isn't really intended to be the big bad in this. Okay, he's 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 going to be the outcome, but he's not the he's not he's not intended to be the uh, the you know what we expect him to be. Okay. Well, the last thing I was going to say about that is that it, if you got rid of that Trade Federation aspect, it just completely removes the need for any sort of the parliamentary procedure plotline. Like, we don't need that. Right. It doesn't need to be in the movie. You can just... Yeah, they, they you could have just done that off screen, right? The, the expo- we didn't need that much exposition in the Senate. Um, like... Queen Amidalia is like, they're invading our planet. And like, where's the proof? It's like, <laughs> we have real-time travel and communications technology. We're like, I don't know what you're talking about, lady. No, no we don't. We <laughs> Some don't. crazy lady up here telling us. The, uh, no, it's, it's enough to start your adventure by saying the planet Naboo is, is, harangued. is, being, is being harangued. And, and we've sent these Jedi out to check it out. Yes. Yeah. That's it. That's all. I mean, that's the the part that the, I think the part that you're getting at is it's it's unnecessarily complicated. It's like we have this planet. They're 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 near the outer rim. They're part of the Federation, or and they're part of the you know they're part of the galactic you know Republic. Republic yeah, and they're they're being harassed. And we've sent these two Jedi. We've sent a Jedi Master and his and his Padawan to check it out. So this has all the things you need already. It's like we've got a couple of Jedi, we've got a princess. Right. You know, we throw some droids in. <laughs> you I mean it's it's enough. It's enough and this is what this is the George Lucas this because George Lucas got into dealing with special edition, he got in I think he just sort of tricked himself into thinking that people wanted this this level of detail. Okay. By adding on things and sort of tweaking at things. It's like, "Oh, a little more is a little better." And maybe a little more is a little better here and there, but I think he just gets carried away here. He just, <clears throat> this is the point in George Lucas' career where no one, there was no one here to tell him no. There was no. Yeah, I have know, some thoughts on that. We'll talk about him in a there's minute. No, there's no Irving Kirshner around to say, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> so with the caveat that this is obviously all made up, uh, the, the execution of the Newt Gunray and Jar Jar characters are frankly fucking yikes. Um, like, what are we doing? And why are we avoiding subtitles? Like, why are they speaking with accented English? Especially when it's like, I mean, Jar Jar, it's, it's whatever, some sort of pigeon language that you can kind of defend that, even though it's, mm-hmm. it's, it reeks of minstrelsy. 
Sure. But why is Newt Gunray have this like very obvious like Japanese emperor accent? Yeah, uh, yeah, some Asian, some yeah, yeah some Asian because they're they're Asian. <laughs> Okay, fine. The trade federations are Asians. Jar Jar's first line is, Oh, muy, muy, I love you! It's the first <laughs> full audible line. Like, it's just... And so I did a little research on this, because Watto gets subtitles like 20 minutes later. So, like, yeah. when you get down to the planet, Watto's speaking whatever his native language is, and he gets subtitles. So I looked this up, and they were actually trying to avoid subtitles with the, uh, the trade federation. Um, because the political plotline being so critical to being a driving force in the story... So the exposition actually drove creative in this case. Like that's how bad this plot line is. Yeah, I mean that's like you said. There's a there there are bones of a good story here. It's just overly complicated unnecessarily. Yeah. And I mean, I I'll have to I, that Jar Jar thing you talked about. That's familiar to me, but I don't remember it. It's been a number of years. I think so I've seen that. Um, but I did wonder like if that explains why you didn't go with sort of a standard Hollywood trope kind of idiot, like in the mold of a TJ Miller, Jack Black kind of Dan Fogelberg thing, where there's just some guy they're dragging around. And it's kind of the C-3PO role, basically. Right. Yeah. Just right. some sort of doofus that they have to deal with all the time. Right. And, and keep alive. Yeah. And that's the, and, and it would make much more sense if he wasn't such a doofus. And we already have C three. We we already he, they're already dragging C three PO along with them in my in my head. Right. They should already have met him, and then and then he plays that role, and then you get this idea: these Gungans who share the planet with the the Naboo, they share Naboo with the humans, mm-hmm. and you know there's tension there, right? So there's 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 lay, there's ways to make this interesting. It almost um, is interesting. <laughs> just the whole time I'm kind of like, oh, I wish this was just a little bit better. And yeah. a little, and a little less weird, right? Right, and that's that. And again, I think that's, uh, I think that's, that's nobody was able to edit Lucas effectively. Well, I know George said that he thought that fans of the movies, because they had, they were children when they came out, but then were adults by the time the prequels came out, no longer wanted like family-oriented fare, and so the pushback came from you know basically the, the neckbeards yelling about this is for kids. Um, but I actually, again, having watched it, that that's something I found appealing about it, that, that it is accessible to a wide range of uh, audiences. Um, I did, well, actually wasn't really ready to transition to Anakin, because I'm going to wait. I think I want to hit a couple of other things before we get to Anakin, because the timer's going to go off before I'm ready to be done with that. <laughs> but, that's okay. Uh, Just talk through it. All right. Well... Okay, first of all, let me switch gears. So speaking of the Naboo, we were talking about, uh, I want to talk a little bit about Amidala. So I I have some questions. It seems like sometimes the double is making decisions unilaterally for that plot line to work. (laughs) So like, is there a briefing beforehand? I just have questions about the process. Yes, there, (laughs) yes, the, 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 the double has, has direction, right? Has talking points. Wait, is it like, does Padme pull her aside? And then she's like, oh, I changed my mind. Right. Yeah. I don't know. So, I don't know how that works. Padme also is inexplicably the one that the queen sends to clean up R2 when they like say, this destroy deserves our thanks. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> She's going to be like, yeah, I'll go take care of that. I'm going to go wipe this bitch down. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're going to go do it. Double. She, she, well, they're committed to the illusion. They're committed Fair to the enough. illusion. All right. Uh, no one else on Naboo talks like a weirdo, so it's just part of the job then. We learn the queen... We learned that Queen is an elected position on Naboo, and she's not talking like that when she's not in the makeup. No, the fact that 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 part that again that's an overcomplication of something that doesn't need to be complicated. The whole like she can be she can be royalty. I mean, it's okay. 
I don't yeah, why know why she elected have... and why she's she... not. And then she's the queen, and then they make her wear this whole thing, and then only to give that up. I don't know, four years later or eight years, two terms. I'm a two term queen. Yeah, <laughs> that that part doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. No, that's a, no. The last Amidala moment I have is there's a moment toward the end of the during the battle scene where like seven people grapple up to the next floor, and it's like some '60s Batman shit. It is just yeah. awful. Like there's a moment where I'm like, I can't believe this is in the movie. It's so bad. Yes. No, that's that's not a good scene. <laughs> All right. All right, moving on. I got a couple more things to touch on here. Uh, Qui-Gon is a fucking liar. <laughs> yes. Now, Qui-Gon, interestingly enough, I, I like the fact that they set him up as a Jedi Master who's had some problems with the Council. Yeah. Like I, I like that he's an agitator. Like, yeah, he's, no, he's he's the cop that plays by his own rules. Right. He's <laughs> yeah. not. He's he sees things because he's he's boots on the ground. Mm-hmm. He sees things differently than the ivory tower people. Again, a perfectly a perfectly a perfect setup for for the Jedi to take a big fall. We have a bunch of Jedi Council people who are completely out of touch with what's happening. You know, they're all they're based in tradition. They're based in like this is what the Jedi have done for countless generations. This is how we do it. And then we have somebody like Qui Gon Jinn who's like, I'm out here busting my ass, guys. It's like you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't tell me I can't do this because I'm doing it because it needs to be done. Yeah, right. And and Mace Windu on the rewatch is like extremely salty about everything, <laughs> like in a really like crap. He's very much like the. The put-upon captain who just doesn't want to deal with Qui-Gon's well, shit anymore. It, the irony is, the irony is that you know Samuel Jackson has to play the man. Right, he's the man. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of like railing against the man, you've become the man. Sorry. That scene where he like he's leaning on his hand, like he's got his hand, his finger, his his face in his hand and finger like this, and he's like, no. He will not be trained. Like wow, Jesus! <laughs> I mean, it's so rude. It's like shut up. What do you know? Well, so Qui-Gon is a liar. He tells Anakin that he tried to free his mother, uh-huh. but that Watto wouldn't let him. But we know that he manipulated the die roll to make sure right. that it was Anakin, which obviously, for obvious reasons, but still you're a liar. Oh. I guess you all have to lie has, to children. All he has to say there is, <laughs> all he has to say there is, we're taking them both, Watto. I don't give a shit. What are you going to do about it? Right. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. It's like, what are you, I'm going to kill all the rest of these slaves. I don't care what <laughs> I mean. I'm taking the boy. I'm taking his mother. Well, there's mm-hmm. no problem here. In fact, by taking the boy and his mother together, it's probably plot-wise going to be more interesting anyway and not so stupid because you're just like, why don't you just take them both? And after he escapes from Maul and that same, at the end of that same scene, he tells Obi-Wan he doesn't know what it was, but then 20 minutes later, he's in the temple telling him, it must have been a Sith. It's, just, <laughs> it's like, what? Did you watch the movie after you guys cut it together? I just, there's yeah. some moments here. Right. All right. All right, time to move on to the last thing here I have is uh, Anakin. So I will never understand why Anakin in episode one is a doofus, basically, who is a mechanical genius, but whose force powers are essentially more lucky than like precocious. Um, his All his force power scenes, I mean, all of his scenes, really, anytime he's doing anything cool, it's all just like, you know, Herp, derp, woo, let's, woo, you know, just like kind of just no, there's no purpose to any of it. Yeah. Um, I've long held the opinion that if you just make him as old as Daniel Radcliffe was when Harry Potter started, it's fine. If he's 11 instead of whatever, eight. He's too young. Yeah, exactly. He's way too young. 
if you make the pod race more like star fast star furious like and then kind of you know work that into the gang element a little bit more right. have it be less of an outlier as part of the the plot there um, I was thinking, like, you know, a preteen who kind of understands that he has some level of preternatural ability but doesn't really understand how to control it or where it comes from, just that he's able to interact with the world in a way that other humans can't. And this is just really clumsily handled in this movie where I'm the only human that can pod race, and that's kind of it. Yeah. And then Qui-Gon uh-huh. takes a surreptitious blood sample. Like, <laughs> good <laughs> God. Don't bring midichlorians into this because we're going to go down a deep, dark well of... Yeah, of, I think we agree or, disagree on that. I'm nerd. kind of fine with it, but it was totally... It's just unnecessary. I'm not fine with midichlorians. Okay. <laughs> so, this is what I'm saying. So, Anakin knows he's a slave. He has to have seen some shit. I feel like he should be sort of a tortured preteen, like, right from the get, where there's a, it's obvious that he's kind of riding, like, right on the razor's edge the whole yeah. time. Yeah, he shouldn't be like a, hey, everybody. Yeah, he's I'm so a, happy. Right. <laughs> he should be, yes, he should be a little bit more world-weary as a young kid and just, like, pissed off because he's got no choices. He knows he can do more, but because because he's worried about his mother or whatever, right? He just he has to stay, he has to right. stick it out. And now he's and and again he should be fifteen or sixteen because Podme's fifteen or sixteen, and Podme should have kind of should be kind of sparky for for Anakin by the end of this movie. Yeah, like he's like instead of being like oh kid with the floppy hair. Yeah, they like, do try to force it at the very end too, where she gives him like a big no, smile, and he's no, like, "Yeah, it's, no, it's no good. That that doesn't work." That's throughout this movie, they're trying to kind of lay the seeds for it, and it's just it, it's really off-putting. <laughs> it doesn't work. It no. doesn't work because he is too young. He could be, I think, as young as twelve. If you make him twelve and her set at nineteen, if you give him like a seven-year age difference, it's probably fine by the time he's twenty. They he, they should be about they should be middle teens they should be they should both be about fifteen or sixteen and yeah it should well be, and she should be tired of his shit right from the get go yeah because like, she's just old enough to like not like want to put up with that right he yeah. should, he's because he's seen so much bullshit that and his life has completely been about bullshit that he should be he should be angry he should be yeah he should be a street kid not some happy go lucky Disney channel reject yeah basically if you take the first 30 minutes of solo and make it anakin's origin story that might work out a little closer anyway yeah for sure uh and the last thing i was to say about that so there's the during the the flight uh in the battle during the battle in Naboo, he's flying around in the jet because he you're in the i can't believe i called it a jet but whatever <laughs> yeah because <laughs> uh in the fighter because yeah qui-gon tells him to stay in the cockpit yeah and he's like, let's try spinning. That's a good trick. It's just, it's really, really rough. And then he no. accidentally flies into the droid control ship. It's totally accidental. Um, and then accidentally ends the battle by accidentally firing missiles into like some support that eventually takes the entire ship down. Yeah. yeah. All that should have sort of happened semi on purpose. Yeah, it should happen because Anakin is more interested in, he finally, he, he comes to the, to the conclusion that he wants to help the people who he cares about. I can't sit here and do nothing. I can't sit here, which is the, which is the whole slippery slope that takes you from being that kid to Darth Vader. It, exactly. Can't do, <laughs> I can't do nothing. And, and yeah, they don't set it up that way. They just, they make it, you know, again, it's just too, it's too saccharine. It is. And, and, and it should be, it should have a, it should have a, I don't know about a dark undertone, but he should be just willful in that way that makes him that makes him successful 
and then that success breeds more success and then you know that becomes more like ego mm-hmm. yeah arrogance and then sort of uh, fear then, of losing what he has turns him to the dark side right yeah and it's it's you know it's pretty i don't know it seems pretty straightforward from the cheap seats out here where i sit but it's true it makes more sense than what they gave us in that in that in that movie right but i, I do think the pod racing scene is pretty is pretty well done it's pretty I good mean, I like it. I mean, yeah. for the most part, I think the announcer's a little bit over the top, but um, but I think I don't really think we need him. I think it's enough to just have fast cars and you know, and uh, and just dirty dirty play. I yeah, that's a, yeah. Know, we didn't really need the. But again, I think that George had this idea, and I, I read some interviews where he talked about that he wanted this one to feel a little more whimsical because he knew the other two were going to need to be darker. Yeah. So I, I think he's wrong. Yeah, fair. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we're already kind of talking about how it could be better. So as we transition into segment three, talk about uh, the ways. Of, oh, I have one more thing about uh, what what could be. Or sorry, what doesn't work because this is my hobby horse for movies. Obi Wan's hair. The sure. rat tail moves from yes. side to side. Sometimes it's spiky and long. Sometimes it's spiky and short. Sometimes it's smoothed down. Like just get a wig if you guys can't get the continuity, the haircut continuity right. Right. It was really frustrating for me watching it. Yeah. Because I had. Pod- seen it mentioned once and then now mm. i couldn't get past it the, the padawan learner haircut is stupid <laughs> they should just have regular haircuts <laughs> you don't like the, you don't like the buzz cut with the long no, rat tail no it's just it's no good anyway it's fine <laughs> all right so how could the movie be better we've already talked a little bit about how we would have made some major plot changes but um i think the first thing that comes to mind is have someone else write and direct it <laughs> So I have some anecdotes to share with you about this. Uh, So George Lucas approached David Hare to write the screenplay and even co-direct the film. This is already after he had made a delayed decision to direct episode one after he had finished with special edition. He was looking for outside help before that. Um, Lucas confessed he had reservations about working with the actors and hoped that he could focus on the action while Hare focused on the acting. Hare declined. George asked Lawrence Kasdan to write the script but he thought that George was too removed from the process in episode four or five and six. So he told George he should make exactly the movie he wanted to make. Oh Lord. Thanks Lawrence Kasdan. Thanks a lot, buddy. Yeah. Uh, Ron Howard noted that he was approached to direct the film. George didn't necessarily want to direct them. He told me he had talked to Robert Zemeckis, Steven Spielberg, and me. I was the third one he spoke to. They all said the same thing. George, you should do it. Oh God. I don't think anybody wanted to follow up special edition at the time. It was an honor, but it would have been too daunting. At the time, Steven Spielberg was hotly tipped to take over as a director for Episode 2. In the -the behind-the-scenes footage of The Phantom Menace, he's shown to be a regular visitor to Pinewood Studios in England. We can only speculate, but this would suggest they were looking to make a smooth transition from Lucas to Spielberg from Episode 1 to 2. In the months that followed the release of Episode 1, George Lucas changed his mind. As the film was well-received, he decided he had nothing to prove and made the decision to direct the next two films. (laughs) So many, so almost as many mistakes that they made, the Jedi Council made. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, what are you going to do about that? I don't know. I mean, that's, it, it is his story and I get it. And, you know. But he even recognized his own failings. That's the thing. I've always thought for years it was George's ego. And then when I started to do the research, it's like, no, it was his friends gassing him up. <laughs> right. You know, and that's, and, you know, that's the reason you know, empire works is like, it's, you know, it's Erin Kirshner, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, we have, we have a, we have more of a, you know, a steady hand. And, you know, again, it's, it's that, it's that same sort of everybody, all those great creators need somebody 
to balance them out, right? It yeah. You see it all the time in technology or in, you know, you know, story writing or music. You always get somebody, you know, you get, it, it takes, you have, you have to strike some sort of balance. Yeah. Or just trusted advisors. Even if you're a guy, you know, um, like, uh, like a Vince Gilligan type who can kind of see your entire story and, and, and put the whole thing to film with, I, I think that he probably has an editor who he trusts really, whose name we don't oh, know. Sure. Um, but you have to. It, I, I, there definitely you need to collab, You need to capture the genius, but also collaborate in a way that tempers it to make it accessible. Because if it's just the thing that's coming straight out of your head, it's by definition going to have periods of wild bullshit. And you, you need someone else to be like, "Yeah, you don't need this part." <laughs> right. Yeah, this part. This part sucks. This is the boring part. I didn't like this. I didn't like reading this part on this page, and it's not going to mm. film well. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay, so the second thing I have that could have been better, uh, th- the main thrust of the story is like at best the C plot that Anakin is the one. Mm-hmm. Um, like it sort of gets mentioned offhand a couple of times. I mean, there's there's one obviously in depth Jedi Council. Well, it's not even Jedi Council. It's Qui Gon and, and Yoda have one in depth conversation about it essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, it's like he's immaculately conceived. That's <laughs> not explored in any way. There's no real discussion about how that would have happened. The Force what? generated him yes okay will, he is he's produced by the will of the four dumb stupid whatever but then what the i really don't understand yeah i don't understand the jedi the council's decision i i don't there's never really a, a proper explanation for why other than it seems scary yeah well they should cut his head off if that's the <laughs> if that's really the case really i mean if he said what he's immaculately conceived by the force and he by all measurements midichlorian or otherwise he is the strongest force sensitive x times stronger than even master yoda is right if it's too late for him to begin the training you have to destroy him that's just that's just a (laughs) i don't know and again it's just doesn't make any sense for them well we're not going to train him you should just kick him out in the street what if, yeah, gonna, if anything, shouldn't you, you let keep him, him as, in the yeah. streets? Yeah. Shouldn't you? Shouldn't Yoda have been like, "Oh yes, I'm sorry, guys. I have this one. I will go ahead and take this on. I'll take him to Dagobah and cut his head off. I mean, this is <laughs> this is this is what he should do. Sure. I don't know. I mean, that's. I mean, if really, if you're scared of him, if it's like he's too old to begin the training, it's like, what are you kidding me? Right. And there's a problem that we never get an explanation for what balance to the force means or why they need it. Yeah. Well, like that's, pal- that's yeah. a real, that's, no, I know what it is, but in the movie, it is never established what they would get out of it. Yeah. Like, why do we care? Yeah. Right. Because, There's no, yeah. You know, the force is always supposed to be balanced and guess what? There's way too many good Jedi around right now and no Sith. So guess which way we're sliding. Right. Again, this is dumb. It's just, it doesn't, the, the, just, they talk about these things, but then it, you realize that down the road the characters don't understand what they're doing they don't they say the words because they're written by people who who aren't considering who aren't considering things the um the other thing i think that in the if we're talking about things that could have been better but i think were really brave is that they were creating these full cgi environments which Mm -hmm. no one had ever tried before and i think that that sometimes they're successful and sometimes they're not very successful. There's some funky transitions here. I think really obvious. Yeah. I think the, I think the Gungan droid thing comes off like a cart, a bit like a cartoon. It's very cartoony. And, and I don't think they understood the power of more of a mixed environment 
I think that when you look at a CGI environment like Peter Jackson got out of Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. all of a sudden all you get that that's a really great CGI mixed environment, right? You get all this real you get you get the weight of real things. It's like five years later though, and it's just enough that's time. True. It's just that's enough time to make the smooth out those transitions. Because that's there is some mixed environment in the pod racing. And it's really obvious when it goes from, oh, that's fully computer generated to, oh, that's practical effects. Uh-huh. And that's just the biggest problem. I think that's why they avoided it. Although I did read that they built practical sets um, only as tall as the actors' heads. Everything mm-hmm. else is CGI. Uh-huh. But like so. I said, it's a brave, it's a brave choice. Yeah. They, they were really try- they were pushing they were pushing it as far as they could push it at the moment. And so and while it wasn't as successful, I think it opens the door. It opened the door to a lot of other movies who ended up doing it better yeah but they did it they were doing it first yeah and it didn't quite make my list as something that didn't work like i just kind of left that out because i i I was considerate of the the period of time but they have the same the jedi anytime they're doing some there's that weird jedi speed thing we've never seen where in the trade federation Mm. ship they like run down the hallway like the flash yes like we've never seen that before and it's very strange um then they don't ever do it again no and then there's some jumping and they have the the Sam Raimi Spider Man problem where they look very uh, cartoonish and elastic when that's happening. Right. Yeah. Right. Especially when it's mixed in the the sword fight. When when <laughs> so that's this is another question I have for you about that about the lightsaber fight. Why is the stabbing of Qui Gon off screen? Like it's cropped in a way that we can't see it happen, and we only see Darth Maul really briefly actually extricate the saber. I've got to assume that George thought it was just too graphic. Maybe for children. Yeah, but I don't know. I guess I think that yeah, the, the lack of gravity in that in the battles in general is is a, a major flaw in the movie. Like there's yeah. no, but then Obi Wan cuts Darth Maul in half later, so I don't even know. He's just, you know whatever. But he's a monster, so it's fine to cut the monster. <laughs> you know that good guy can't suffer a horrific death. Right. I mean, too bad he didn't understand the power of killing your heroes the way Game of Thrones did. But I mean, that's the. I mean, there's a real. And there's a real power to it if it's done correctly, right? Mm-hmm. It, it 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 pushes it pushes everyone forward. It pushes Obi Wan forward. It does a lot of things. I mean, the each trilogy has that moment where you know Obi Wan dies in the original trilogy. It pushes Luke forward, right? I mean, you'd like to think that Han Solo's death in Episode, you know, seven pushes pushes that forward. Although it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Doesn't like it, it served no narrative purpose, but it should. That's the the, the whole point. And Qui Gon's death should push push the narrative forward, um, and it kind of does because you know Qui Gon just becomes this. You know, I think there's more to. I think I think he. Had, I think there's better story to be told with Qui Gon. But again, I think he, he serves his purpose by launching um, Obi Wan into the mentor role and right. the teacher role and trying to trying to give Anakin what he got from, you know, from Qui-Gon. Yeah, and he, speaking of being presented as an idealist it doesn't follow the Jedi Council rules, I re, I'm very correct in wanting the Qui-Gon solo prequel. Like I want to see lethal Qui-Gon. Like <laughs> <laughs> like where he, you know, the, whatever happened before. I want to know what the bullshit was that went down that made him not be on the council. I want yes. that movie. Yes. And yes. And I think I think and Yoda I mean, this is probably 30 minutes. I could do 30 minutes on Yoda easy. But, you know, I really think that Yoda should have also been more of, more of an outlaw, more of, more of the, like, somebody who's not involved mm-hmm. in the Jedi Council. He should have been, he should have been... No, like, above Qui-Gon. it. 
Yeah, like or outside of it, he could be living on Dagobah. I mean, like he could be done. Yeah, rev- being... I mean, outside above it in a, a uh, reverence way. Like they should right. revere him, even though he's not on the council. That kind of thing. yeah. He should be like this. Re- he should be retired. Yeah, he's but the... he trained Qui Gon, but Qui Gon could like talk to him. Like he could seek his counsel. Right. And and Yoda could know what's going on. He could feel like things are happening and. Un- being, and Yoda should be unable to convince the Jedi Council what I mean. It sh- I mean that's the story right yeah, there. The, it, and then I can have the Yoda Qui Gon buddy cop prequel. Yes, and then Yoda could be, and Yoda could say, "Well, this shit's going to go down, and I'm not going to be here when it goes down because because I know right. And you guys need to be careful. And then he should like he should hit the streets after Episode One, and we shouldn't see him again until. The Empire Strikes Back. I mean, Yoda should just be gone. Yeah, and, I mean, if he should be girding for a final showdown and then become incapacitated in some way that requires Obi-Wan to step up and become right. the one that has to... Or maybe he even saves... Maybe he even comes back in episode three and saves somebody only to get only to get Padme out of there, right? Right. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's so many better ways to use Yoda as opposed to him just being a prick for three movies and then getting what he deserves. And then he comes back and... and it, and it completely ruins his the effect in you know Empire Strikes Back. Now you're like, well, Yoda, this is all your fucking fault. <laughs> Why are you so pious now? Why are you with this like? Oh no, I'm not gonna trade him. Too old to begin the training. It's like, do, do you? Have, you already you made already this mistake. Yeah, <laughs> you've already screwed this up with the other Skywalker kid. I mean, quit doing it. I mean, it would be better. It would be better. It would better serve the character later. Should he be outside of it? At the beginning, I agree. Like, so I don't know. I think i i try to i try to i try to i try to leave Yoda out of this, but really, you, you can't. I mean, he got written into this. He got a raw deal out of this prequel, out of this prequel business, and it's too bad. All right, I have a couple of a couple quick things. Um, Padme is the skeptic in the first like third of the movie, and I, I kind of wish they had held on to that. Like, if she had continued to kind of be the one who was just. For skeptical, like just, just yeah. I don't know why, just because it would have thrown something a little more conflict into her relationship with Anakin later on in the other movies, right? Like if he was faith faith based, and she's like, "I'm secular, you need to get up off me," right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that's a that's a that's a that would be fun tension to have. Yeah, just I'm a skeptic of your bullshit, like because right. she is very skeptical of Qui Gon's like d- right decision making and and right. his belief that things are just going to work out. Right, but but then she but through her experiences, she sees the Jedi do these things. Yes, and she's like, I can't explain why you do these things, right? But and Anakin's messianess in particular is what eventually converts her, right? Yeah, right. right. Uh, and then lastly, uh, Tupac was going to be in the movie, but he got killed. Really? Yeah, he was in talks to have a, a role as possibly part of the Jedi Council. So people are always oh, going to be Mace Windu, racists. But uh, <laughs> Mace Windu was actually Mace Windu was actually written as an alien before uh, Sam Jackson said he wanted to be in the movie. Oh well, there we have it. All right. Well, that was great. Thanks for indulging me. I know you kind of had this on the... I, I think I brought this to you in January when I rewatched this with the kids, and I was like, this movie's better than I remember. I want to go on. I want to go, go in on this. Yeah, wait until two years till we get to Attack of the Clothes and then watch me explode. I don't think I can handle it. <laughs> I'll just sit, sit here repeating how I don't like sand for an hour. I'll just be crying. <laughs> It'll be me openly weeping on the on the podcast. All right, well, it's time to fix Game of Thrones, and that means we're going to head to the OT. But before we that, now comes the part where we throw our heads back and laugh. Ready? 
Ready! <laughs> Dad jokes of the week. Woo! All right, let's get let's get it done. Uh, this one sucks. What kind of doctor does a duck visit? A quack. That's what it should be. For some reason, it's a duck door. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know? I don't know. Like you could even write doctor on here and like hand that in. <laughs> ludicrous it's, it's insane <laughs> oh god that actually makes me laugh that's funny it was i couldn't believe i was like this can't be the actual joke all right <laughs> uh i used to be a member of the secret cooking society but they kicked me out for spilling the beans wow why did the snowman see a psychiatrist i don't know he felt abominable <laughs> Why did Stalin only write in lowercase? <laughs> that's not what that says. That's not the joke. <laughs> it's not? What? <laughs> anyway, the punchline is because, because he hated capitalism. Yeah, because he was too busy murdering millions of people in cold blood. Yeah, for proper capitalization. Yeah. I thought there could have been like a... It probably wouldn't too esoteric, but like, why was Stalin a big fan of E.E. E. Cummings? I don't know, some sort of <laughs> capitalism joke. Uh, I bought the thesaurus I've always wanted, but when I opened it, all the pages were blank. I have no words to describe how angry I am. <laughs> and last but not least, my landlord has been telling me that he feels inadequate lately. I think he has a complex. But up. <laughs> Right. I can't believe there's a Stalin joke in this in this in this calendar. It's ridiculous. You thought I was just trying to slip a Stalin joke in there? Um, like yeah, the, I was like, like the safe no Yeah, I just totally thought there's no way you're making this up. Have you have you retold the safe cracker joke? I have, yeah, I tell it all the time to everybody to strangers on the street. Hey, how do the career criminals survive the race war? <laughs> oh my gosh! All right. Well, this is kind of half borrowed. I changed it a little bit. Okay. But my my half borrowed dad joke killer of the week is I'm trying to get a job in the lotion industry, so I just keep applying every morning. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Yeah, thank you. Anytime you bring up lotion, I'm terrified though. Yeah. I'm like, oh I'm god, trying to get a job. <laughs> I'm trying to get a job in the lotion industry so I keep touching myself inappropriately. <laughs> How's that for a dad joke, huh? <laughs> I got a dad joke. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right, so uh, for the OT, we're going to talk a little bit of Game of Thrones. So for anybody who listens to the show but has not watched that and does not care to have it spoiled for them, now would be a great time to stop listening to the pod and go find something else to do. But thanks for your time. And, and come tune in next week. Yeah, yeah, come uh, definitely come back and, and tune in next week. But uh, for those Game of Thrones fans who are up to speed, uh, Chris, I'll let you set it up. You, you wanted to get in on this. I, I actually wrote an entire... Um, what would I would consider a season? What is it? Season six? Season eight? Eight? Sorry, I don't know. I think it's six. Uh, season eight treatment, like how I would break down season eight and what I would have yeah. done differently. But I will let you start, and then we can do my dumb thing. Well, I just thought it was. I just thought we were talking since we were talking about Anakin Skywalker and the fall of yes. Anakin Skywalker. We get it some immediately. Parallels. Immediately brought to mind the fall of Daenerys Targaryen, like her slide to the dark side, which. Which took a, apparently like two seconds. 
<laughs> but the but I made the argument to somebody the other day that the last three episodes of Game of Thrones really feel like the pinnacle episodes of three seasons. Mm-hmm. Like you could have you could have built a whole season around the long night, and then you could have completely built a whole season around you know the fall of King's Landing, and then you could have completely built a whole season around mopping up afterwards and a slide into you know into into madness and then then having those you know having john have to murder her i mean that's is and that's just it's it, it's rushed and i get it i get it why they have to do it there are certainly logistical purposes to this but um but i just felt like you know that daenerys should definitely slide into madness. They get they get to where they're supposed to be. I think so. I think they get it right for the most part. I just think that that you know. I wish, I wish we had more time. That's well, all. I feel like the showrunners felt like Masande getting her head cut off and saying Dracarys as her last word was like enough for us to accept that Daenerys would do that. Yeah, and I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> I don't think so either. And I, I just I think the thing that doesn't that stood out as the worst is that. Why doesn't she just fly at the Red Keep and just smoke Cersei and be done with it? Why does she feel like she has to kill all the like the? Yeah, she has the, to murder everyone in town. Right? Like why? Yeah, why? It's like they just live there. Yeah. It's like, yeah. hey, you know what? I don't. You know, that's that's just not to make a geopolitical thing, but like, if you're just an Iranian right now, you're like, hey, I'm just living here. Can you not? Yeah, <laughs> like, right. The, the people who are the people who have the problem are over there. Yeah, you go, know where they live. They're specifically in those buildings. They're not here <laughs> you, where you, I am. You Please. know where they live. Yes, go get them. All right. But so yes. you're interested in in my take on what would have been the final season? This is what I would have done. Okay. And I, this is assuming you had to get all of this into one season. Okay. You have to jam it all in there. All right. Go for it. All right. So the season starts with the all the same stuff. Basically, the prep for the 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 long night. Um, but the Night King shows up and just rolls Winterfell. I mean, like, kills everyone. The entire castle's destroyed. Basically, like, a small cadre of... I don't, I don't know how much... You need a decent fighting force. They, they Basically, they're forced to fall back. Like, the majority of the forces are forced to fall back. The Night King's army gets bigger with all these Northmen he's just killed. Right. Like, it, Winterfell literally is destroyed. Completely oh. destroyed. Okay. Um, by, by Viserion uh, in, in, his, in his... You know, he melts mm-hmm. it down. Okay. Um, so the, the remaining forces, if you're familiar with the geography, it, it, we'll call it White Harbor. And it's they fall back to White Harbor because it's fortified and also because it's on the water. But that uh, then at that point, the Lannister army does march north, but actually attacks the rear guard of the Northern army at White Harbor, supported by the Iron Fleet in the bay. All right, And in that fight, that's where Rhaegal gets killed in a less stupid way. Similar way, but less stupid way, like an actual right. fight. Like, oh, they got him, like did something clever and, and tricked him and, and, and shot him down. Um the Northern, the Northern Army successfully beats back the Lannisters at White Harbor. Uh, Drogon destroys the Iron Fleet also in that battle, so we separate mm-hmm. that piece out a little bit. While both armies are engaged, the Night King sweeps in, the huge vanguard of all these whites, uh, pushing the forces further south where they try to make a last stand at the Twins, right? Because it's a crossing. It's a neck. It is, mm-hmm. it is uh, a pinch point. So like, okay, we can, we can hold them here, and this is our best chance to hold them back. Um, of course, because they're stupid, uh, the whites just cross the river, right? They just they don't care about the bridge. They just, they just, yeah, the defense they don't... freeze it, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Basically, Danny and Drogon cover their escape from the twins. The Night King army actually takes massive losses because of Drogon's flame, uh, but basically scatters the forces of Danny's armies to retreat to Dragonstone, and then the Lannister, Lannister army slash Golden Company uh, retreats back to King's Landing, and the Night King is now at the twins. So the Night King White Army uh, marches on River Run, where at, to this point all of the peasants have been sheltering. 
uh, and our heroes know he's going to kill everyone and replenish his white army with all these new dead peasants. Mm-hmm. And so they have to make a strategic decision to burn them out in advance. We have to kill those peasants so they don't become part of the Night King's army. Like, we've made progress here. He only has a few troops left. We can't let him get strong again. Yeah. And this is the, this is the moral thing that, that, that fries their circuits for the rest of the show. So it works in that his army remains limited, but the Night King continues to advance and reaches King's Landing. Finally, Cersei has to call and beg for help, say, I'm, they're, they're overrunning the city. You have to come. You know, Danny, of course, comes to join the defense of King's Landing because she wants to rule Westeros and, and do the right thing. Uh, I like the idea of having the Night King animating the mountain and then having the mountain kill Kyburn and Cersei, like having her be a... So the Night King indirectly kills Cersei. That has to happen. The Night King yeah. has to kill Cersei in my treatment. Okay. Whether you do it with the mountain or whatever, doesn't matter. Night King sits on the Iron Throne and then you get the Arya assassination. You think it's over. You think the Night King is won and then you get the twist with Arya assassinating the Night King, who had come to... He, she, she came to kill Cersei in advance of this, but uh, whatever. The Whites all fall. Dan and John marry, or Danny and John marry, Dan and John, uh, they reveal his parentage and rule together. It's like, we're Targaryens, we're in charge again now. Everybody's kind of like, I'm not sure I feel about this, but they have the dragon, so I'm just going to go along with it. Right. Uh, The guilt of the burning of Riverrun haunts John and drives him to become the Mad King. Like, he can't get over it. He just becomes crazier and crazier and obsessed with the insanity, like the the terrible decision they had to make. It starts somehow reversing his decision-making so that he's being actively harmful in the name of the greater good. So he's doing it again and again. uh, It's a slow onset. Danny stays by his side until, like, essentially they're both ruling in insanity. Like, they become so paranoid, like like the Targaryen king did, like Aerys Targaryen did before. Um... It, you know she's she's animated by her love for him and, and his her belief in his previous moral character. Arya kills them both and Sansa's the queen. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's a, I mean that makes that makes perfect sense. That could have been the whole season. They just in the, the Night King continue like just rolling through and then yes, trying to regroup. The that, and, yes, I think that I think that they do miss they do miss the fact that we've spent how many years playing up the Night King? Right, the whole since the beginning. Yeah. Of it all. I mean, and so to to have him go out the way he did and not be and you just basically remove the 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 dark cloud because he's the best dark cloud. Everything should be mm-hmm. in in response to this thing where you don't believe what's you don't believe us in what's coming, okay? And then they do the best they can. Of course, when it shows up on King's Land at King's Landing's doorstep, you go, you know, finally Cersei sees. I mean that's I mean that seems to be that seems to be much more compelling than how they played it. Well, plus know? my treatment gets some golden company time. Like you get a little time with those new characters. Like that guy some... was a, the leader of the, the 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 second sons was a bitch. <laughs> that guy he went out like a bitch. He's he was terrible. I feel bad for that. I feel bad for that actor. It's like you're going to be the commander of the, and then you you know just get torched. Just well, don't it's the golden company. Don't don't. I'm sorry, golden. Second company. sons is second still sons run is, over yes. there by. Uh, yes. What's by, his face? For, I'm sorry. Yes, I've confused them. Dario Naharis. Dario Naharis. My yeah. other idea was that golden. the Night King and and Relor, the Lord of Light, are uh, the same magical force, but just basically two sides of that same magical force, and that whenever Arya kills the Night King, John falls too because he'd been reanimated by the Lord of Light. So he yeah, was technically and, a white. Yes, and the the fact that Benioff and Weiss just didn't like the magic part and just yeah just just ripped the band-aid off and just threw it in the trash doesn't yeah it didn't sit well with me because you have to have the magic part i think that this whole this whole this whole lord of light thing is it's a it's 
very much a main thread in the fabric of this whole story and it balances the night king right i mean that's the i don't know it's i just i just wish there was a there's a really good article and again we can link it about how um the storytellers go from telling a sociological story to a psychological story and how that transition's not successful like we we're we're growing it you know you're living in this really this really you know this broad world this big world uh-huh. that where things happen and people are people are people have to make decisions based on what's happening you know around them and then they flip it and turn it into like the avengers where right <laughs> where now you have these characters who who drive the plot not not the circumstances driving the characters. Yeah, I just think they needed to do more plotting for the final season and have a better outcome in mind. I just don't think they really knew what they were doing. It felt like they were... We talked about plotting versus pantsing before. Not on the show, but uh, in person. And uh, if you're interested in that, take a look at plotting versus pantsing. It's just a style of, of writing and screenwriting in particular. Um, well, I shouldn't say in particular. Novels get written that way as well. About whether or not you make your character decision-making kind of drive the plot or vice versa. And ideally, you're doing both. Um it just never felt to me like they really had an idea of what they wanted out of the resolution. Like they just yeah. sort of kept filming episodes and, and doing stuff until they got. Which is how, which is how George R. 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 Martin has written these books. Yeah, which is why you can't, you can't finish them. You can't. But what's what's um, what what hurts them at some point? They say HBO says, "Dude, you got to wrap this up. You've got you get two seasons, thirteen episodes. Wrap this up." And so that uh, once they once they once they make that decision, you get what you get. But I mean, based on what I read, they didn't have that decision. That the HBO they said they wanted to be done. HBO said, "Cool, we'll order ten episodes," and they said, "No, we'll do it in six. I think HBO would have been happy to have it run for three or four more seasons. <laughs> oh, it is a big money maker. But the uh, but I'm just it's again too bad that that it has to end that way. But really, it's five and a half really amazing seasons of television. Yeah. And then two and a half, not so great. But I think it's to, I think it's worth it. I don't think it. I don't think it devalues it entirely for me. I think I see some people saying I wasted shit most of a decade waiting for this shit to end. And I'm pissed. I don't know. I'm I never that invested in something like this. Yeah, I I'm watched never, a lot of it. I enjoyed it while I was watching it, and then it just kind of yeah. crapped out. But a lot then, of shows do that, so I don't really feel any differently about this than many right. other things that I watch. Yes, and so and so it's 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 um. Because I did, I did go back. I, I caught some of the, uh, I caught some of the marathon episodes from. I guess it was last summer they were running um, Game of Thrones marathon, and I would watch a few. I happened to turn it on like two minutes before the Red Wedding was started. <laughs> I was just like, oh god! It's like, why did I turn it on right now? Because I have to watch this Red Wedding. Uh, but it was, it's really amazing television, and Arya, Arya gets the best of it all mm-hmm. as, as far as all that's concerned, and then she gets to become. Christopher Columbus slash the Dread Pirate Roberts um, <laughs> at the end, which I think is, I'm going to go discover the new world. Anyway, whatever is west of Westeros. You know what's anyway. west of Westeros? United States, the America. E- the Americas. The other side of Essos. <laughs> eventually. Yeah. Eventually the other side of Essos. Anyway. I don't know. I liked it. I'm, 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 I'm. I'm a little sad it's over. Um, I don't entirely agree with the way that it ended, but you know, it's it's still something that uh, I was glad to uh, have enjoyed. Well, it felt like they really wanted to have something where the dragon got to unleash the full power and really, and, and 
again, my treatment network, you could have had a reason to burn King's Landing because it would have been filled with dead people. Yeah. And that would have been fine. And you still would have been able to do all the same shit. No, no better reason to fry a whole place than exactly. full of like Walking Dead. You know? So if you're one of those petition people who wants to redo it and you liked my ideas, let me know. We'll, we'll get me signed <laughs> up. I can use the paycheck. <laughs> we'll make a stick figure animation version. Legos. A Lego version. <laughs> stop, a stop motion Lego version. Yeah. Uh, that would be great. All right. Anything else? That's it for me. Okay, well, that's our show, and our thanks to all of you for listening to 2 on 3 Pod. Please know we appreciate tremendously the time you choose to listen to our show. If you don't already, please subscribe and or review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. And don't be shy about sharing your thoughts, reactions, and suggestions for the show. We'll be back next time to try to bring balance to the force. But until then, peace! Peace!